But the servants of David had struck down of Benjamin and Abner's men 360 men. I mean, unfortunately, that's what war does, but we're going to see. Look with me, actually, really quick, at just chapter, uh, verse 1 of chapter 3. There was war between Israel and the house of Saul and the house of David, but David grew stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. Underline verse 1 of chapter 3. Uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All-powerful, untamable. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. David and his men were victorious. However, we know that there will be more wars to come as David and his army get stronger. Pastor Alan Redpath once said, In the lives of many Christian people today, there is raging civil war. The flesh, the kingdom of Saul, struggles with the spirit, the kingdom of David, and the conflict is bitter. We do everything we possibly can to hold up the tottering kingdom of self so that it might exist just a bit longer. If only we could preserve some rights. If only we could have at least part of our own way at any cost. We feel that we must bolster up this kingdom of self that we cannot let ourselves be crucified with Christ. Now here's Pastor Rob. Abishai, he's really something. But now you got this young man, Asahel, who's trying to prove himself. Can you see it? You got two older brothers who are significant in, in their exploits in David's army. And here's young Asahel trying to make something of himself. Have you been young and tried to prove yourself? That's who he was. And so he's going after the king. He's going after, not the king, but he's going after Abner. He's going to go after the seasoned war veteran. He's going after him, and he's not stopping. He's got that, he's got that youth, and he's got that uh, drive, and he's just like, I'm just going to go after him with everything i got. I'm not going to stop. And he's just got that, and he's like, like Flint. His, he's set on it, right? And I love that about this young man. So... Asahel pursued Abner, and in going, he did not turn to the right hand or to the left from following Abner. Then Abner looked behind him and said, Are you Asahel? And he said, I am. And Abner said to him, Turn aside to your right hand or to your left and lay hold on one of the young men and take his armor for yourself. But Asahel would not turn aside from following him. This is kind of an interesting phrase. It's something that um, you might not get when you read it. When he says, lay hold of one of the young men and take his armor for yourself, it was a big deal to take the armor from someone you have conquered. Like David, when he conquered Goliath, what did he do? He took his armor and his sword. So for Asahel, this young man, to prove himself now in battle, Abner's saying, listen, listen, Asahel, just get away from me, boy. You bother me. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Just, Just stay away. I don't want to have to hurt you. And I can, Asahel, I'm a, I know what I'm doing, and you don't know who you're messing with. I don't want to do this. I don't want to make your brother Joab. We, you know, we have a, 
somewhat of a relationship. If I kill you, I'm going to be at cahoots with him. I really don't want to do that. Stay away, please. Stay away. S.L., stay away. And he's warning him. He's warning him. He's warning him. So Abner again said to Asahel, Turn aside from following me. Why should I strike you to the ground? How then could I face your brother Joab? However, he refused to turn aside. Therefore Abner struck him in the stomach with the blunt end of the spear, so that the spear came out of his back. And he fell down there and died on the spot. And so it was that as many as came to the place, because you know, after that event happened, the men of Israel, or the men of Judah, are still chasing the men of Israel you know, and the men of Israel are going west now. They're they're crossing. They're in that plain of Jordan where the where the Jordan River is. They're they're fleeing from there, going over into the plain, and then going over into the east side, over to Mahanaim. And they're and and they see the place as they're running. They 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 see Asahel laying there with this spear, you know, coming in one side and out the other, and dead. War is ugly, isn't it? It's cruel. It's a horrible thing. So Joab and Abishai, Joab, the brother of Asahel, and his other brother, Abishai, they pursued Abner. And you know what happens when you mess with a son, a brother, and you got these other two brothers going after him, right? Some things haven't changed, has it? And the sun was going down while they came to the hill of Ammah, which is before Gia, by the road to the wilderness of Gibeon. Now the children of Benjamin gathered together behind Abner, and they became a unit, and they took their stand on top of a hill. And then Abner called to Joab and said, Shall the sword devour forever? Do you not know that it will be bitter in the latter end? How long will it be until you tell the people to return from pursuing their brethren? Isn't this interesting? Because it really wasn't Joab that caused this whole thing. Do you notice who's complaining right here? It's, it's Abner. He knows he's defeated, even though they got the numbers. Numbers don't mean everything. They got the numbers in the army, but now they got Judah chasing them, and they're fleeing. And then he turns around at one point and he says... Shall the sword devour forever, Joab? Do you not know that it will be bitter in the latter end? How long will it be until you tell the people to return from pursuing their brethren? They were all brethren, no doubt. They all came from Jacob. But it wasn't Joab that started this whole thing. Who was it that came over from Mahanaim, crossed the Jordan, from your perspective, crossed from Mahanaim, crossed the Jordan, and came into Judah and, and basically is confronting them with war. Who was it? It was Abner. So what is Abner now, you know, with his tail between his legs? It's your fault. You guys started this. No, no. And, and notice, Joab, he doesn't even mention it. He, he, he doesn't, maybe he's not even aware of it. Have you ever done that? You've, you've been talking with somebody, and, and they're, they're lying to you, and you don't, you don't catch them in their lie until you think about it a couple days later, and you're like, you know what, I... I didn't even start this. Why are you complaining to me like I'm the instigator here? You're the one who came over. Have you ever thought about things like that? You know, it's a wonderful gift when you can think on the spot and, 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 and apply wisdom at the moment and to have your mind and your faculties all about you and you're critically thinking about every word that somebody's saying and you're going, oh, that lie, lie, lie. Nope. <laughs> 
I wish I had a brain like that because sometimes you're just so emotional. You're just the words are going by and you're not thinking, and uh, and then it's not until later on you think, wait a minute, it wasn't me. I, Abner, why are you making it sound like I'm the in, I'm the oppressor here? You're the one who came after us, but that's not what he says. Shall the sword devour forever? Do you not know that it will be bitter in the latter end? How long will it be until you tell the people to return? Well, you're the one who came after me. You remember that? Oh, a convenient truth that was forgotten. And Joab. And isn't that so like the flesh? It is. It's so like the flesh to blame somebody else. You're, you're, you're the one who caused the problem, but as soon as you get busted, you're blaming somebody else. It sounds like the Garden of Eden. Who told you? It was the woman. And the God goes to the woman. Who told you that you were a naked serpent? Serpent's got nobody to point to. <laughs> I'm toast. So Joab said, as God lives, unless you had spoken. Notice Joab, the, the man of Judah, David's commander of the army, he tells Abner, you know, because they're across the valley and voices carry very well. As God lives, unless you had spoken, surely by morning all the people would have given up pursuing your brethren. This phrase, well, I've read this and I read this and it made no sense. And today the light bulb went off because it doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe it makes sense to you. But what he's talking about here is what was spoken of in verse 14. When Joab said, as God lives, unless you had spoken, well, what did, Joe, what did Abner say? What, what, what was it that he said? It, look at verse 14. Remember what Abner said? Let the, let the young men now arise and compete before us. That's what it was. So stick verse 14 right off to the side there. Because when he says, as God lives, unless you had spoken, and let, you're the one who brought this up, Joe, or, um, Abner, surely then by morning all the people would have given up pursuing their brethren. We would have stopped this before it even began, had you not done that. So Joab, verse 28, he blew a trumpet, and all the people stood still and did not pursue Israel anymore, nor did they fight anymore. And then Abner and his men went on all that night through the plain. So now they're fleeing from the west, going down into the valley of, uh, of the Jordan Valley, and they're crossing over the Jordan, and they went through all Bithran. This word Bithran, it only occurs here in the Bible once. And uh, the Bithran is, is basically this, it's, it's, a, it's really a rocky crag. If you think about it, picture in your mind, and if you've been to Israel, this is easy to do, but even if you haven't, picture you're going into the valley, the Jordan Valley, and you're going west. You're going west, or east, I'm sorry, you're going east. And so you go down to the valley, you come to the Jordan River, and then you cross the Jordan River, and then right there in front of you is Mount Gilead. It's a long mountain range, and somewhere in that mountain there is this area, a ravine. It's a ravine where water has been flowing from west, or east to west, down into the Jordan and it's created this, you've been to Ithaca, you've seen these gorges and these different things. It's sort of like that. It's, it, it's a very um, hard place. And it's very easy to uh, fortify and very easy to protect because there's only one way in and there's not like a lot of places to go. All right? So they're going into this place called Bithran and it's really an area. It, it's an area of just a ravine kind of meandering through until you get to Mahanaim, which is where... Um, 
Ishbosheth and Abner had been it had been like a like a capital for them for a season anyway. And so verse 30, Joab returned after pursuing Abner. And when he had gathered all, all the people together, they were missing of David's servant, 19 men, and Asahel. So a total of 20 men in, in Judah are killed. But the servants of David had struck down of Benjamin and Abner's men, 360 men. I mean, unfortunately, that's what war does, but we're going to see. Look with me, actually, really quick, at just chapter, uh, verse 1 of chapter 3. There was war between Israel and the house of Saul and the house of David, but David grew stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. Underline verse 1 of chapter 3, because that's really what's happening here. David is getting stronger and stronger, even against all odds, even when the army is very much against, and and they've got so many men, and David and his guys are just a handful. When you're in the will of God, God can take the small things... And he can magnify them and do great things. He doesn't need a big army. He doesn't need anything. I mean, didn't the Lord multiply the fish and the loaves for those 5,000 in the, in, uh, on the east side of the Galilee? And then they took up the fragments and they had 12 baskets of leftovers. Was that a miracle? Yes, it was. Did God need a, uh, the fish house and the bakery there? No. He took the five loaves and the two fishes. He prayed. He offered them up. And he began to distribute to his disciples. And they began to distribute. And as they were doing it, God began to multiply. God can do a lot with very little. And don't be discouraged when you have very little strength or have very little of anything. You may not be the most gifted. You may not be the most talented. You may not be the best looking. You may be the one that everybody looks at and says, you know, you're just uh, an off-scouring of the earth. No, nobody, you know, you, your family may even disown you because you're not as gifted as your brother or your sister. You're not as talented. You're not as good looking. And she married well, and, and look at you. What are you doing? She's gifted and talented, but what can you do? It appears like you can do nothing. Does that mean that God looks at you and says, worthless? That's what the world says, worthless. But God says, priceless. Do you know that you're priceless in the sight of God? Even if you don't have any of that stuff. Even if you don't have the skills that pay the bills. Even if you don't have any of those things, God can use you and I to do great things. And things that are more exciting and wonderful, more than... Jeff Bezos or any of these other guys flying to Mars and doing all those funny things. God says, well, what is that going to really do in the grand scheme of things? You can speak to a soul and they can be saved. What is that in comparison to going to Mars and some fancy jet that looks like a Apple MacBook Pro? Or in some, you know, looks like a Tesla, you know, all that fancy stuff. If you've got Tesla, you know, no, no problem. But he doesn't need it. He said, what you do is more important for me than anything that they're doing. That's just noise. But the soul of a man, the soul of a woman, that's more important than anything. So that's what we need to be about. 
And don't think to yourself, well, I don't have the skills. I didn't go to college. I didn't go to, you know, I, I'm not, I, don't, I don't have enough Bible under my belt. I don't have enough knowledge. Hey, listen, the fact that you were born again and saved, that's all you need to go and share with somebody else. Just tell them what God did for you. You don't need to give them a bunch of theology. Chances are that's going to be a, a hindrance. One of the greatest things is a changed life. When someone has a changed life, that means something happened to that life. Something happened to that person. That changes people. It does. Because you can be on your best behavior for a little while, and and your family goes, wow, he's a changed man. But then three weeks down the road, he gets back into the alcohol. He gets back into the drugs. He gets back into the womanizing. And she continues to steal from the department store. She continues to lie and, and do all these things and sleep around. No, these are changes that happen, and they last. They last, and they last. I remember when I got saved, my mom was probably thinking to herself, well, I can't, I mean, I don't, I don't think she really feels this way, honestly, now, but I think at the time she didn't understand. I want the old Rob back. I want the old son that I had. I want him back. I, I don't know what this guy, I don't know who he is. He's different. And I, I imagine she was waiting. How long is it going to be before he gives up on this and tries something else? Maybe goes to, you know, the yin and the yang, and maybe he's going to, you know, have crystals and, and, you know, sit in a lotus position and, you know, smoke some kind of water pipe in the Middle East. I mean, what is he going to do next? But it never, ever changed. It only got better and better and better. And my heart and my mind got renewed every single day, as yours is. God doesn't need any of that. So Joab, he returned. And it says that, you know, the men of David's were 20 that died, but the men of Benjamin was 360 men who died. And again, just another indication that the kingdom, Saul's kingdom and authority was diminishing. David's kingdom and authority was increasing. In Psalm 75, it says this, For exaltation comes neither from the east, neither from the west, nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and he exalts another. He has the right to do it, and he does it. And when God put down Saul and he raised up David, who was anyone to say, I don't like that, I don't like your choice? Tough. Tough. God knows the heart. Does he, can he look right through you like an x-ray? You better believe it. Somebody who's better looking, taller, handsome, got all the right degrees, <laughs> can speak really well. God's like, oh, I don't need him. I love him, and, and hopefully he'll come to me. Or maybe God knows. He, know, he definitely knows whether he's, somebody's going to come to him or not. But I don't, I don't need him. I don't need to call him for this thing. I'm going to use somebody that doesn't have any of that stuff. He always does that. Not always. But he doesn't need those things. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 20, remember that God gave to Daniel Nebuchadnezzar's dream and the interpretation of it. And Daniel answered and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. I love that. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 6, it says this, The Lord kills and makes alive. Does that bother you? 
The Lord kills and makes alive. If he causes me to die this evening, there's a reason for it. There's a reason. The Lord kills and he makes alive. And he brings down to the grave and he brings up. The Lord makes poor and he makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. Hallelujah. Do you know that you're going to inherit the throne of glory? That the Bible says that we're going to sit with him, with Jesus, in heavenly places. Can you imagine that? It's my turn this week. I'm going to sit on the throne. Well, how many people are there? Don't worry, we've got plenty of time. <laughs> we've got plenty of time. You've got an eternity Notice verse 32, finally. Then they took up Asahel, and they buried him in his father's tomb, which was in Bethlehem. And this is really all we know about Zeruiah's husband, or Joab's father, which was also Asahel's father. All we know is that he died at some point, probably early in the boys' lives, which was in Bethlehem. And Joab and his men went all night, and they came to Hebron at daybreak, where David and his men and his family was. So working against the will of God. You know, that's really what tonight was uh, about. Abner just reaching out for willingly ignorant, or maybe he knew exactly. I believe he did know. But it's never wise to go against the will of God, the revealed will of God. When God says, I'm going to do something, you better get behind it or get out of the way. When God has his hand and he's doing something, support it. Support it. And if you don't know, it's better just to keep silent and watch God do what he's going to do. Like Gamaliel said, right? If this is of man, it's just going to come and go. And boy, that takes faith, doesn't it? To just be patient. If it's of man, it's just going to come and go. He's going to have followers and it's going to fall apart. Everyone will forget about him. But if it's of God then you can do nothing against it. And do you want to be found fighting against God? Abner was fighting against God. Let's not fight against God. Let's be completely his. Do you want to be completely his again? Can you renew your heart tonight and say, Lord, I want you to do that work in me again? Let's stand and let's pray and ask him to do that, shall we? Lord Jesus, you know us. Lord, you know all of our weaknesses. And you, Lord, know how many times, even myself, how many times I said, no, God. And Lord, I'm so thankful to be alive. I'm so thankful that you have blessed me and my brothers and my sisters here tonight, Lord. How your, your love for them is great. And Lord, you desire to draw them near. Lord, you desire to work in them causing them to will and to do of your good pleasure. Lord, that we would be a blessed people, knowing that we're in the will of God and desiring, Lord, to, to do those things that are right. Lord, help us to keep our eyes on you and not on the things of this earth and the things that are going on all around us. Lord, how we need your Spirit resting upon us. Lord, we pray for the baptism of your Spirit, not in some phony thing, Lord, but the real thing, a real filling, God to be effective in the, in the country that we're in and the, in the place that we are in this time. Would you please pour out your spirit as we go out Sunday night? Help us, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. I'm sorry, that concludes our program for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.